welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Just a quick reminder that next weekend, on July 30th and 31st, I will be at the HorrorCon Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California, if you'd like to come out and meet me. Or just come out for the con, it's incredible, and you might just happen to run into me. This week, I have two tales for you. Up first is by Christopher O'Halloran. Christopher is a milk-slinging Canadian actor-turned-author with work published from Hellbound Books, Tales to Terrify, The Dread Machine, and others. His novelettes are in anthologies, Howls from Hell, and Bloodlines, Four Tales of Familiar Fear. He is Reviews Editor-in-Chief, Social Media Co-Manager, and Discord Mod for the most active horror book club on the web, Howl Society. Fans of stories about vein removal and Phoenix Women Against the Patriarchy can follow on Twitter at BurgleInfernal or visit coauthor.ca for stories, reviews, and updates on upcoming novels. I'll have those in the show notes. He lives with his wife, son, and horse-slash-dog-slash-cats in British Columbia, Canada. Tonight, he has for us, Sins of My Father. On April 8th, 2012, I slept over at my best friend Reed's house, and that's the only reason I'm alive. It was a last minute sort of deal. Looking back, I think I knew what was going to happen. There had been an air of madness, like someone had a firm grip on the rug under my feet and was preparing to rip it out from under me. On April 8th, 2012, after a dinner of cottage pie, Dad grabbed a crowbar and beat my brothers to death while they digested mashed potato and ground beef in their sleep. Mom tried to stop him, but she was about a foot shorter and a full human lighter. She clawed at his back and pulled his hair out, but a careless whack with the pointy end of the crowbar, laid her out with broken teeth and a broken jaw. At least she didn't have to hear my brother scream while she waited for her turn. The coroner said neither woke up while Dad was on his rampage. I don't like thinking about it, but every time I got a letter from Fraser Institution, The events flashed through my mind, relayed in articles and police statements. I couldn't stop the images. Every letter ruined my day. I shredded them, unread. I've been no contact since that night. Needless to say, the man who raised me for twelve years is dead. He can rot in prison. Insane, they call him. 
The company he worked for, Jameson Family Chemicals, gave me enough money so I wouldn't sue them for the damage the cleaning solutions did to him. The mutations, the fumes spawned in his brain. So when I turned 18, I bought the home that no realtor could sell. Now that's where I live. Just me and Reed, taking this haunted house and reclaiming it for ourselves. Not letting him win. Spending four years doing whatever the hell we wanted. Trying to scrub these walls of that monster's influence. I found Dad's first note after a shot of Jaeger bombs and whatever the bartender with the super soaker was shooting down our throats. Reed and I had been celebrating him getting me a job at the shipping warehouse where he worked. I wasn't hurting for dough, but the check would supplement the Jameson Company money nicely, and working with my buddy sounded like a fucking blast. We came home at the ass crack of dawn, stumbling out of the Uber and into the house absolutely plastered. He threw up in the foyer, I threw up in the spider plant on our balcony. We climbed the creaky stairs to the second floor and passed out in our respective rooms. I woke up around 11 with a bottle of Gatorade on my side table and a post-it note stuck to it. Always be sure to hydrate after a crazy night out. Try to limit those kinds of nights. Don't want to damage that brain of yours. Dad. At the time, I just assumed Reed was being cute. He joked around like that, pretended to be the mature one. Even though the initial tequila shots were his idea, he knew I didn't talk about my dad, though. He was there when the cops told me what happened. He'd never joke about it after seeing me that way. Him pretending to be my dad, leaving me well-intentioned notes, made me grind my teeth. It was one thing for him to eat my food without so much as a mention, one thing for him to sweep his dirt against the baseboards instead of putting it in the trash, but this was a step too far. He meant well. He always meant well. I couldn't hold one bad joke against him. I tossed the note and pounded back half the Gatorade in one breath. It helped. I started work the next week. Reed and I carpooled, singing along to old boy band songs that I felt embarrassed to know. Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Boys to Men, The Works. I think some Celine Dion slipped in there. I only know her songs because of Mom. I belted them out badly in her honor in defiance of that piece of shit behind bars. After a long shift, I came into the kitchen to grab a beer and found another post-it on the six-pack. I know you don't need the money badly, but I'm proud of you for working, son. It builds character. Just make sure you don't push your body too hard. Wouldn't want you to ruin your body while you're still young. Dad. It was officially played out. I had hoped that not mentioning the note would get the point across to Reed, that I didn't think his act was funny. But apparently, I had to be more direct. I called Reed's name from the kitchen. Reed? Yeah? He was watching something stupid on the TV. 
Some YouTube video about some dude farting on dogs as a prank. I'm not a fan of the shtick. I tossed the note in the trash and walked into the living room. I know you're trying to be supportive, but I don't like it. What do you mean? He took his legs off the coffee table and looked straight at me. Pretending to be my dad? It's not cute. You're trying too hard. I was getting heated, so I took a deep drink from the bottle. The suds helped squash the anger rising in me. Your dad? Now he was really listening. He even paused the video, the comedian fanning the fart away from his ass. I wouldn't do that. When did I pretend to be your dad? The notes. Uh, I do some fucked up shit, he said. But that's a line I wouldn't cross. You know that. Come on, dude. I put my beer down and stalked back to the kitchen. I'll show you the fucking thing. He wouldn't be able to deny it when faced with the note. I'd see it in his eyes. I'd match it to his handwriting. But when I opened the lid of the trash can, it was gone. It was here, I said, right on top. I started digging, getting my arms right in there, pulling out old scraps of frozen pizza, not on ribs and burger wrappers. It wasn't there. I even dumped the trash on the ground and looked through it. I'm not helping you clean that up, Reed said from the living room. In the end, though, he did. The last Saturday of every month was drag night. I'd go out every time as Melody Memory, big curly hair and makeup immaculately recreated from TikTok tutorials. Reed would laugh at me, but never tease too much. Not until I came home one night and found the note. What would your mother think if she saw you in that shit? You need to stop. I didn't raise a... I stopped reading there. I made sure to keep a hold of the note as I stalked up the stairs in my heels and threw Reed's bedroom door open. Get the fuck out! I roared. Now! Reed blinked at me, eyes half-closed with sleep. Aaron? Get out! I threw the note at him. It fluttered at the foot of the bed. He leaned over, picked it up, and read it. Hold on, dude, he said, waking up in a hurry. I don't want to hear it. I had let him stay here rent-free since we moved out of his parents' place. He had done so much for me after that night that I felt like I owed him. But the debts were paid. If he was going to pull this bullshit, it was time for him to go. I stormed out of his room and into the upstairs bathroom. When I slammed the door, something rattled against the walls. A picture frame or something. I didn't care if I knocked the whole house down with my rage. Reed knocked on the door as I furiously wiped off my makeup. Aaron, I don't know what's going on, but that's not my writing. I didn't write those notes. I didn't want to hear it. Fuck off, man. Fuck off with your jokes. They're old. 
you need to grow up. His breathing came through the door as he tried to think of something to say to me. I know you're going through some shit. He sighed. I'll call you in a few days. Make sure you're okay. I didn't say anything back. Just let him leave. But the notes didn't stop. The next day, I had a date with this cute woman who helped organize drag night. Took her to dinner, then brought her home to listen to some music and split a bottle of wine. She found the note. What's this? She asked, holding the post-it up. She's cute. Maybe I shouldn't have worried too much about you. A real chip off the old block. Dad. I took the note and drowned it in my glass of wine. Didn't want to think about it. Not while I had this glowing girl on my couch. She was creeped out, and I didn't blame her. The house felt a little too big without Reed here. More notes came. Notes telling me I shouldn't go to bed without brushing my teeth. That I should make better breakfasts. Not eat so much fast food. That I watch too much smut. That I should make up with Reed. I had no clue where they were coming from. As far as I knew, Reed still had his key, but the notes came at times when I knew he was at work or school. It couldn't have been him. Why would he do it to begin with? After coming home to what seemed like a note on every surface, I decided to finally get down to the bottom of things. After a decade of no contact, I'd finally go to the Fraser Institution. I'd visit my dad. I sat on the other side of the plexiglass window, phone to my ear. I didn't look at the guy when the correctional officer sat him down. But in my peripherals, I saw his manacled hands, the hairy arms I remembered from my childhood. The dark hair, dark as the fucked up mind that would lead a man to murder his family. Or most of his family. He shakily picked up the phone on his end. His breathing came through in my ear, and I had to fight everything in me that wanted to smash the phone against that barrier, smash it to bits, and bleach my ear for having heard his air. Hey, buddy. I wanted to throw up. I wanted to blow up. If I kept grinding my teeth, they'd be nubs. I couldn't say anything. Are you... I trailed off. How could he be leaving me notes when he was stuck in here? I've been getting notes. I send you letters. He said, about once a... I'm not talking about letters. I squeezed the phone, the plastic creaking in my hand. Post-it notes. From... From you. He was silent for a second. We were alone in the visiting area. 
Someone was probably listening, though, somewhere in the phone line. Then he laughed. Do you have a carbon monoxide detector? It's not carbon monoxide poisoning, I whispered. I heard a story once about this guy who ended up writing himself notes, but couldn't remember because of... I'm not crazy! I slammed a hand against the plexiglass, separating us. I'm not crazy. That's you. I stared him right in the fucking eyes. For the first time in ten years, I looked dead in the face of the man who took my family away. He had changed. His hooked nose was shorter. His hair wasn't jet black. It was now a dark brown. Why do you look so different? I asked. I've been in here a long time. He rubbed the back of his neck, avoiding my gaze. People change. No. I analyzed his face, pouring over every pore. It's... His skin practically crawled on the other side. He looked like he would rather be in his cell than under my scrutiny. You're not him. What? He laughed. Now you're really sounding crazy. I took him in. His face. His neck. His hands. He looked familiar, a friend of Dad's, a distant relative, a co-worker. My dad had a scar on his hand. He stabbed himself, right there. I pointed to the man's hand holding the phone, right there between the pointer and the thumb, trying to open a package for my brother's birthday. Stuck himself so deep with the scissors that he had to go to the hospital. I smiled against my will. He'd make the scar talk to us sometimes. The man's eyes met mine. Even they were a darker color. You don't want to start asking questions. His eyelid twitched. Trust me. Why are you in there? Why are you serving his time? He leaned really close, even though it wouldn't make his voice carry any better. He practically whispered into the phone. Didn't you read my letters? I've been trying to warn you without tipping them off. I shook my head. My mouth was cat litter dry. Clues? I asked. What clues? you looked that night if you were there when he told me what I was going to have to do you would consider this the proper move his mouth trembled then stretched wide curved along his entire jaw reaching up to his face in a way that made me shrink into my seat if you saw him that night 
he said. You'd know. Being in prison is safer than being free with him on the loose. I'm sitting in my kitchen now. Sledgehammer between my legs. Dad's crowbar is no match for it. I'm wide awake. I am not a sleeping child. I'm strong. I'm ready for him. Hey. Reed says. You've got mail. He hands me a small, yellow piece of paper. A post-it. Curling at the edge. You don't want to do this, Aaron. I've let you make your mistakes long enough. But it's time to grow up. Grow up. The same words I'd used with Reed. It doesn't feel good. It's bad enough I see him in my features. I don't want to use my dad's words. I don't want to sound like him. Which one are we going to start with? Reed asks. This place has been his home for the last four years. Yet, when I explained what we were going to do to it, He came back right away, ready to get down to business. That's Reed, though. Loyal till the end. Your room, I say. The room my brothers shared, I don't say. Reed twirls his baseball bat, eager to begin. Are you sure he's in the walls? He asks. I eyeball the stairs, up into the darkness above. The house trembles, only one way to find out. next story tonight is by S. Chowdhury. S. Chowdhury is a 17-year-old aspiring author who has been writing stories since she could hold a pencil. She is also a published poet with her debut poetry collection, Crimson Lights, available in both paperback and ebook on Amazon. She is currently working on her debut novel, besides obsessing over Spotify, sketching charcoal portraits, and acting in her free time. And tonight, she has for us blood avenged for would killing him avenge my trauma The world seemed to have sucked me into a wide hula hoop, and for a second, all I saw in front of me was smoke. Dense, thickening smoke, with a flavor that made my throat burn in agony. Yet, there was no taste. I flung my hands around, trying to make out my surroundings as my eyes lay there, a facade behind a curtain of smog. It was then that I touched it, 
the texture of a wooden surface on the floor. And all of a sudden, the entire universe seemed to call out to my question. I looked up at the freshly painted ceiling, as if my eyes could see through it. They could see the willowy canvas of the Night Maiden, glittering in sophistication, with clouds of a rich scarlet red color. The sky was a scandalous woman, glorified in her glamour, hiding her scars of terror from the world. That was when it struck me. The green painted walls had seemed quite familiar, but now, as the reddish tinge spread across the entire purple night sky, the faint thread of memory that I have been trying to bury deep inside seemed to have floated to the surface. I did not know how I ended up here. Maybe it was him again. Maybe tarnishing me once did not give him the utmost pleasure he wished to have had, so now he was back to take whatever I had regained in these last three months, to take the subtle amount of joy that our child had given me. No, he was back just to seep all that away again. But when my hands reached down to touch my torso and felt nothing but thick air between my fingers, I had a feeling that perhaps all was not as it seemed. Was I not here? Or was I? Was I still stuck in the haystack where he had left me that day? Burning into my skin like rods of fire? Was I still in there? Or was I here, like a glimpse of the past, only my soul, the body unturned? My body crouched down beside a stool, a small infringement of wood, my hands trembling as the smell of a brand new whiskey hit my nasal system. The man lay on the small bed one hand hanging down from the quilt as another enamored his face. Slowly, an uneasiness grabbed me, and I felt like running away. The very look of satisfaction on his face seemed to be tightening the knot of terror that he had created not many days ago. No one believed me then. Yet I did not know why the astral forces had this sadistic plan to let me burn in agony while he slept in peace. What if he woke up? What if he saw me? Would he run to my body if he saw me? Would he run to my limp figure and destroy what was left of its glory? Would he... I had not given any attention to the shiny embossed window at the extreme right of the room. The metal knobs had been shining under the glow of the moonlight, streaming from the window panes, left wide open. But now, they moved, exposing the wooden texture to the colors of the moon. The darkness filled the room like liquid to the brim, as the window panes flung open, slow music creaking out of its system, echoing through the length of the small room. Someone was holding onto the railings. I could see him, or it, 
The sound of leather padding across the wooden floor inched closer, but drove by my obvious existence, as if it could not see me at all. Was I invisible to them? True, I had to read something on the astral projections for my exams last year, but I never paid much attention to it. The idea of an out-of-body experience seemed dumb, illogical, something which went against my morals and the thorough research I had been conducting to glorify science over superstitions all my life. No, the astral projections were a bogus idea, something that could never happen. Something among the many things which I thought could never happen. But one of them had already been crushed a while ago. I squeezed myself against the furniture, trying my best to take a good look at the form, which had now come around the corner, when I felt something stick to my sides. The spot burned as the fresh paint spilled into the already wounded territory. When I looked at it, though, it was gone. Spotless, as if nothing had ever thrust its way inside. I sat back with a jerk as my body rose in thin air, sprawling my hands to regain my lost balance. It was a woman. I could not make out her features as the darkness covered her, but even then, I could feel her lips stretched out into a maniacal smile. She was walking down to the bed where he lay, straight, with no distractions. Through the corner of my eyes, I saw him twist and turn around as her bloodshot eyes remained latched on him, not even blinking for a second. And that was when I caught it. My eyes quivered as the shine of the broken glass in her hand brightened under the moonlight, covered in a reddish gleam as if the cloud of red had gathered at the tip of her weapon, taking in the blood of God knew how many other innocent souls. Her lips had sniveled into a sneer as her eyes shifted close, almost like a snake attacking its prey in the dead of night. I was torn into two halves. One half wanted to sit right there, floating in midair, and watch the spectacle that would occur in front of me in a second. I would feel myself squawk in joy, in relief, only to be intervened by the muffled sobs of the other side as the picture of the child flashed in front of my eyes. The child with his big blue eyes, aquamarine as he used to call it, now filled to the brim with tears. He did not know the sins his father had committed, he was too small too, and the others would never believe me. They'd already cast me aside when I first reported on him. What if they cast him aside as well? He was only three. He would not be able to survive the pain of abandonment. He did not deserve this. He thought too highly of his dad. But if the man died before the image did, it would only attain utmost immortality. I could not let him die like this. It felt as if I was under a trance as I launched into the woman, 
wrenching the weapon from her hand and letting it fly across the room, the echoes of broken glass shuddering from a mile away. Looking into her eyes, I could not help but to howl with laughter as a hoarse scream escaped her throat, her bloodshot eyes looking at nothingness in confusion. The man was sitting up on the bed, wide-eyed, his dark hair ruffled and messy. With a look at the woman, he started screaming, but alas, the woman's voice had reached the ceiling by then. With a click of a finger, I stripped her cloth, making it look like it had been ripped apart by a strong man. It was ten minutes till the police arrived. Ten minutes, and yet, it seemed like an hour. The constables had put the metal over his wrists, dragging him over as she was pulled and comforted, as if she was the victim. A small piece of the broken glass had remained, but it was his hand that held it when the police came in. It was his rough, patchy wrist that had once groped my neck and tarnished my skin that was now inside two handsome metal-rimmed handcuffs. The woman was shaking on the floor, and for once, it was not an act. Before the police arrived, she had felt an unearthly intrusion of air in her auditory passage. Do as told. I woke up to the sound of a fire alarm, but knew it had to be a drill. The apartment which I had rented with Ben kept doing these drills from time to time, but no one really cared to join in nowadays. My hand wiped off a patch of sweat from my forehead as small bits and pieces from my dream recoiled back to me. Mama? My lips stretched into a smile as the small figure came bobbing up to my form. I ruffled his dark satin hair much like his father's, as he tried to engulf me in a hug, holding only my legs as tightly as he could. What is it, sweetheart? I said softly, but he only drove his face deeper into my stomach. And that was when my eyes fell on the light of the television. Someone had turned on the news channel, and on it, Flashing in bold letters were the words, Serial killer psychopath arrested, caught in an attempt to rape and murder a woman. Woman safe and in therapy. I could not resist staring at his face, at his submissive eyes, looking straight into the camera for something he knew he had not done, but something even he knew he deserved. came the words from the small lips attached to my body. I held his hands in mine, rubbing them, as if rubbing them would reduce the pain that oscillated inside his tiny heart. My eyes strayed to the door. In an hour or so, the police would be here. I will have to give a thousand interviews, perhaps millions. I would be labeled as the wife of a murderer, I would be believed as a victim. As the light of the cameras bore into my skin, 
my mind drifted away to that night. It was not a dream. Most certainly, the killer laughed behind walls, but right now, that was not my responsibility. Ben had dozed off in the living room, his cheeks soaked with tears. Calls upon calls had come and been received. When they released their astonishment at him going on a killing spree right before he was going to get his promotion, I smirked. I could not help it. If they looked through the case, they would see it. But they could never catch me. The astral projections had seen to that. I laughed as I placed the full stop to my entry, then set it on fire. They would never know. Thanks for listening, and thank you so much to my two authors, Christopher O'Halloran and S. Chowdhury. Both of them, I will have their links in the show notes if you want to hear more from them or read more from them. Um, Thank you again for showing up this week. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and probably somewhere else that I can't think of right now. Um, What else? Uh, This, Yes, again, we'll be at Midsummer Scream in Long Beach. Um, Come drop by if you can. I'd be happy to see you. I didn't get any baking done this week because I was busy adopting a little kitty who doesn't have a name yet. She doesn't have a name, so um, if you have any suggestions, feel free to tweet them at at Scare You to Sleep or drop them into the Facebook group. Um, she's been through a couple names, but none of them stuck. They just didn't feel like her. Uh, I actually adopted her last Saturday. And I, but I couldn't pick her up until Wednesday because she was getting spayed. And so she's in a little cone. I feel very bad, but after the last couple days of being drugged up, I think she's, her little personality is finally showing through, which is a lot of fun. Um, very excited to have a little mascot for the show again, uh, nameless for now. So, uh, yeah, send me your suggestions on names because I'm just at a loss. I keep trying to think of one, but I just... I don't know. I I can't think of one. I'm also not good about naming characters in my own stories. Uh, I have a a way of naming them that is incredibly boring, and so I won't tell you what that is. I probably said it on the show before. I can't remember. But I do have a system for naming the the characters in my stories, and it's ridiculous. Um, Because I can't think of names, ever. So... Let's see. I, yeah, didn't bake anything this week. I don't have much to report on this week. I have a lot of stuff upcoming that I can't quite announce yet. I know that's how it always is, but hopefully that's how it's always going to go. Well, hopefully I'll still be able to announce things in between, but (laughs) um, hopefully I'll always have things I'm working on. I'm going to be opening up uh, for kids horror stories soon. I want to do it a little earlier this year. Just a heads up to anyone who gets this far in the episode. I haven't made the official announcement yet. Honestly, you can feel free to start sending them. Um, but I'm going to probably next week or starting August 1st, start the official like asking for the kids and teen stories. I want to get them done. They usually take kids episode, the kids episode and the teens episode 
both take me longer than any other episodes. I think it's because it's a lot of little teeny stories. Um, they're a lot of fun. I love doing them, but I do want to make sure I'm not giving myself an overload of work in October because I have other stuff I need to do this year, which is great. But, uh, so yeah, just a heads up. Uh, we'll be asking for kids stories starting August 1st. If you want to get your little ones started on that or your students, I've had a lot of teachers in the past send in uh, stories from their students. By the way, if you are a teacher and that's something you're interested in or some sort of tutor or anything, um, in the past they basically made a little permission slip for the kids because it will be made public and uh, you can send those basically what each child, what parents feel comfortable with them being called. I've had anonymous or just first name, just first name, first initial, full name if you're comfortable with that, pseudonym if you can, if you want to come up with a fun pseudonym. So I understand kids and teens, there's a safety measure involved, so feel free to let me know exactly how you'd like them to be um, addressed as, and yeah, and again, teachers, I've had teachers in the past just do a little permission slip to make sure parents are okay with them being featured on the show. So I think that's all for this week. Sorry, not much of a ramble, but I will be back next week again. Oh, if you have a story you'd like considered for the show, send it to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. There's also a contact submission form on the website. Um, so either one, whichever is easiest for you. All right, everyone, uh, drink your water, of course, go get some sleep and sweet dreams.